Now, if you weren't with us last Sunday, that's all right. We're going to do just a little bit of a of a recap at the beginning. But uh, this this format that we are uh, coming at or coming at this topic with is our life talks. And on Sunday morning, I, I really enjoy just these conversations centered on Scripture and what God is challenging us to do. And I would hope that this would be a conversation that that you could live out, but also that you could continue in these conversations uh, there across your dinner table or um, along with somebody here in the church or maybe even a coworker, that you would pick up these very conversations. And this is that's one reason that we uh, kind of change the format up just a bit uh, to have these live talks is to encourage these similar conversations uh, for yourself. And so uh, here today, uh, the topic that is at hand is consecration. And last Sunday, we kind of did a, a, a big picture on what consecration is. Uh, hopefully, we got a little bit practical for you as well to be able to take some take something from that to live out. And today, uh, I think we're going to get even, even more practical in what uh, we're talking about as far as being consecrated here today. And I'm, I'm so thankful to have uh, have by me and uh, in this conversation today our assistant pastor here at New Life, Josh McCongi. And so uh, welcome. Uh, thankful to, to have you here today. Fine. So we'll, we'll start uh, recapping with the definition of what, uh, what it means to be consecrated. And it says, the formal setting apart of a common person or thing as sacred or devoted to God. So that, that, that's what we're talking about today. So a couple of the examples we gave last time were uh, talking about the people of, of Israel at Mount Sinai, right? It was right before um, that they were getting ready to, uh, to do things, right? It was, it was, they were trying to make themselves uh, unclean, or they were unclean. They were trying to make themselves clean. So that was one of the examples we gave, which I love, was because they did this, and then God showed up, and he did wonders, and what we were talking about this week a little bit, we'll dig deep later, but when we first started talking about consecrated, I always thought it was like someone who's already a good Christian, this is just a way to take it to the next level. And a lot of times in scriptures, it wasn't that way. It was someone who was going through a struggle or someone who wasn't living what God wanted them to do, and they use this as a way to better connect with God and to get on that right path. Yeah, I think that's so good. So so we had that, um, we had that example that we pulled last week of of people consecrating themselves. There were, there were several times throughout the Old Testament that we see Israel being consecrated as, as a whole, as the people of Israel, that, they would con- that got, there was a, a call out for the people of God to consecrate themselves. And it was, uh, you threw that definition out there, but I'll say it again, it's, it's that setting apart of a common person or a common thing so that it can become sacred or devoted to God. And we see that take place also with, with um, places or items, different things that, uh, that it would take place, that something would be consecrated in the Old Testament. And I think this maybe uh, solidifies really this, this concept of bringing something that is just common, something that is, um, you know, it's... It's profane is, is the word that we used last week, and that doesn't mean necessarily have the same meaning that we do 
today of, of profane or profanity, but profane just means it's common. It's, it's not something that is holy. And we have, for example, um, the temple that Solomon built. This is something that was patterned after the tabernacle that uh, was constructed by, by Moses and by um, the, the instructions that were given to him. And David had this desire to build a, a beautiful ta- temple. And David wasn't able to do it, but his son Solomon was. And when Solomon constructed this temple, just this beautiful edifice where they could come and they could worship God. But they didn't want this to just be another building, another, be- another beautiful building even. Uh, but, uh, and so what they did at the, from the very outset was they had a consecration of the actual temple that took place, and it was a week-long ceremony. And uh, during that week-long ceremony of consecration, it, it's it's amazing. You had a hundred and twenty thousand uh, sheep that were sacrificed, and you had another twenty-four thousand oxen that were sacrificed. One hundred and forty-four thousand animals that were sacrificed during this week-long consecration ceremony that was taking place, and yet all these very eloquent prayers. That were being made in a very public setting. And then at the very end of it, they brought in the Ark of the Covenant. And when they brought in the Ark of the Covenant, that really was the sealing of the consecration of this, this place. And what it was saying was, hey, this was, this could just be a beautiful but ordinary building. But we're not just going to let it just be a beautiful, ordinary building. We want this to be a holy place. And so we are going to be very intentional about making this something that is holy and inviting God into this place. And so they, they brought, they did all of these things. They, they sacrificed all these animals. And when they did that, something took place, right? The Shekinah glory, the visible glory cloud descended upon that temple and it came in and you saw the presence of God just right there in that very place as the sign that what you guys have done worked, that your consecration of this place, it worked. And so that's, that's really the same pattern that we see of consecration is that you become very intentional about setting yourself apart from the things that are common, the things that maybe even aren't always sinful, but they make you unclean or weighted down. And that Whenever they would do that, there was always an effect that God would show up and do wonders. Yeah, and I think the important thing, too, is, is that they, it's not like this is a trick to get God to do something you want. Sure. But they were doing it because they were separating themselves to have that, that time with God, and God honored it by doing something. If we go into the mindset of, hey, I'm going to go in this season of consecration because I'm going to get this specific thing out of it, it might happen, but it might not. We've we got to be careful with that. We, we're doing it. We're separating ourselves out of our own fleshly desires and we're focusing on God. And sometimes that means whatever God has for us isn't necessarily what we thought we wanted or needed. So, so we'll, we'll probably dig into that a little bit later too. But, Amen. So I just began to think, you know, what does consecration look like for us today? And if I were even just to take that, that last example that I was using of Solomon's temple, um, there's even still some of that today that we do, that we might not call it a consecration service, but uh, we certainly call it a dedication service, which is the same thing that uh, a lot of churches, you, you build a new church, build a new building, 
and you'll have a dedication service that will take place. And, you know, it's, it's saying we're going to set this thing aside. It's, it's going to be a house that or, or a building, a place that is for the worship of God. This is a place that we are going to set aside as something that would be holy. And I would say even even though it is uh, maybe more common uh, or you know, even though a home itself may be for more common use, I love it when a a Christian would decide I'm gonna I'm going to pray over my house when I when I buy a new house I'm gonna pray over my house and I'm gonna dedicate this house to the Lord and it may be for common use it may not be set aside in the same manner that a that a church building is set aside but. I want my house to be set aside more so than than the Wiccan down the street, you know, who, or whoever it is, just, you know, maybe just anybody who down the street who, who they don't allow their house to be a place where it is for God to be present there and for it to be a place of of allowing the uh, allowing the fellowship that would take place there to be something that would be holy. And so uh, even even just that, just praying over your house, dedicating your house to the Lord, I, I think in that we see consecration even taking place today that is, is very similar to what we saw uh, take place in the Old Testament throughout Scripture. I think, too, when you dedicate your house, it, it's kind of saying, God, this is this thing that you've given me. I'm going to have a purpose for it. Yeah. So if you've got kids... Your purpose is I'm going to raise my kids right. You know, I'm not just going to do it in the walls of, of the church, but I'm going to use this as a holy place to raise my kids. I'm going to use this as a place when, when I have friends over to fellowship, it's going to be a holy place. When we sit down to have a Bible study together, it's going to be a holy place. I'm saying, God, I'm giving this place for your purpose. Yeah. You mentioned that. that just um, I better, We can go on tangents on this all day long, but uh, it made me just think of uh, of a child dedication that, that we would have even to dedicate your child back to the Lord. And while that may, may not have um, New Testament roots to that practice of something that we do often in our church today, I, I think that that's, uh, that really is a signal of consecration to say that everything that I do is going to be for the purpose of, of setting aside um, our family to be different, to be separate, and I dedicate my child, I dedicate my family to the Lord in this. And so we see that same thing take place, these consecration ceremonies that happen. But so these, those things that we're pointing to in, in that are these um, things that are maybe at the outset, the beginning of something to set it apart. But what about in our own life? Because consecration becomes more personal than just a building yeah. or a uh, an object being consecrated and set apart for God. Consecration ought to be a very personal thing that takes place for us as well. So how are we consecrated? How are we set apart from just the yeah. normal, ordinary things, the profane, to then be holy and I think it's very telling that the only two times that we come across the word consecrate or consecrated 
in the New Testament, at least in the King James Version, the only two times that we come across that specific word is in the book of Hebrews. And there's, there's two different passages, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20. And uh, those, those two passages, what it is speaking of there, I'm just going to kind of summarize it because you really have to understand the whole chapter uh, to, to uh, understand what is happening here. But uh, what it's saying is that Jesus is the one who consecrated us. The first mention of it in Hebrews 7.28 is talking about how Jesus is our high priest. And through that, through him as our high priest, he consecrated us. And Hebrews chapter 10, it is, it's uh, talking about how Jesus died on the cross and that through his flesh, he became the sacrifice for us. And that sacrifice consecrated us. And so that is... Uh, that is, is very telling to me that the only thing that makes it possible for us to go from profane or for us to go from unholy to holy is through Jesus Christ. That is the only pathway for us to be set free from the flesh is to allow Jesus, or not to allow, but is the fact that Jesus did that first. So that's the first truth is that Jesus consecrated us by his death on the cross. He's the one who made it possible for us to, to do that. But the second truth is that, is that we must also consecrate ourselves. And so even though these are the only two times that we see the word appear, we see the principle of consecration lived out yeah. and, um, and uh, asked of us uh, throughout the New Testament, this principle of consecrating yourself and dedicating yourself to God, and so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that conversation today about uh, how we do this. It always has to be through Jesus Christ, but there is there are things that we do in order to consecrate ourselves. And so um, uh, let let's allow that to be kind of our, our through through line here this morning of of what we're gonna speak on. And so uh, I think one thing. Uh, and we brought this up last week at the very end, is that consecration requires us to be intentional. Yeah. That you're not going to accidentally stumble upon consecration, but you have to be very intentional about setting apart these things, setting apart yourself from the world, setting apart yourself from things that are common. And it requires you to separate from things that are common and, and to then devote yourself to God. Uh, also, consecration is, as far as I can tell, is it's it's very similar to holiness, or very similar to the uh, sanctification. But consecration really is that initial act, that decision that you make to say, "I'm going to set aside some time right now to really focus in on what God is trying to say to me." what God's trying to do in my life. I really want to just shut some things off right now in my life. And in doing that, it's a time of consecration where you are saying, I, I just need to get rid of the distractions. Yeah. Get a focus. Yeah, get a focus. And so with that, probably one of the best uh 
best things that we could tie to it, and, and I'm not the first one by any means to tie this to it, to consecration, but, but fasting, the, the principle of fasting is consecration. And having a, taking a fast or uh, going into a time of fasting, and what you do in that is you are saying, I am going to separate myself from, from these things. And today we have, we have broadened what fasting is. So if I just, if I just go into what scripture uh, fasting was, it was always from, from food. Um, and so if I'm you know, just fasting from food, that you are separating yourself from what your body even needs to, in order to focus on what your spirit needs. And so that, that act of fasting is a very real way for us today to have a time of consecration. You decide to do it. Yeah, because it's not just, oh, I'm going to abstain from eating because that's just called the diet, right? It's when you're saying, I'm going to remove something and I'm going to replace it with something else. So some of the examples he, he had on here too was when beginning of the year, a lot of times we do fast from media or fast from our phone. And for some of us, that's harder than not eating because that's my escape, right? It's my thing. And my wife caught me on this several times when we were doing our fast was I would not, I would not be focusing on my phone or something. She's like, yeah, but, but are you, you're just filling it with something else. You're not filling it with God. You're, you're, you're filling your downtime with other things that, that you're writing things down, but it's not. The purpose of this was to, to get rid of this, to focus on a specific thing. And that's, that, that's why this fasting is so important, whether it's food or or anything else. And we, when we were talking about this, one of the examples that I came up with was, I think consecration is kind of like, uh, it's an Olympic athlete, right? Think about it. When someone beside, be, decides, I'm going to become an elite athlete, then they change their lifestyle completely, right? They, they remove certain foods from their body. So I can never be an athlete that's an elite athlete because I'm not going to give up sugar or bread. And I know that's something that you have to do. They're going to get up at four in the morning. They're going to go through things. They're going to they're going to cut ties with, with people that might distract them from their goal, people that don't believe in what they're doing. And they're so focused, they give all their energy to it, and they push themselves, right? Yeah. They get to this point where they're saying, okay, this could be good enough, but they say, I don't want to be good enough. I want to be the best. And I feel like that's what it is when we, when we truly consecrate is that we're, we're taking away everything that is our desire and we're focusing on, on God and his agenda and, and trying to eliminate all these distractions and do this kind of this focus, because if, if we do it right, it, it, it should be a season of transformation. Right. That's exactly what our end goal should be. It's shifting our focus on that me mentality that we have, and we're, we're shifting it on what, what God's will is. Because we've talked a lot about being separated, but you can be separated and not consecrated. Like, that's a thing. You can, rem- you can not be of the world, but you can not be of God as well. Like, you have to make a, a choice to say, I'm going to, to live a life of, of separation, but I'm going to focus on God. And a couple of scriptures that came to my mind when we were talking about that were Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely. He gives all these things, and these are the things that we're supposed to be focusing on. He says, if you want to focus on God and you want to focus on, on me and, and the agenda and take it off yourself, then I'm going to give you specific things to focus on. Because yeah. a lot of times, if, we, if we're not careful, our minds will wander in that dead time, right? right. 
we're going to fill our thoughts with something. And he's saying, here are some great examples of things to fill your mind with. And then also in Romans 12, 1, it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And we talked a lot about this on Wednesday, about being effective in our, in our evangelism, right? If we're going to do that, we've got to be the point where we're, we're being a, a, a perfect sacrifice for God, right? How do you become a perfect sacrifice? You remove spot and blemish. So if God's saying, hey, I want you to be a, sac- a sacrifice for me at all times, ready to be used, we have to remove everything. We've got to get, shift our focus completely. We have to have this, this transformation lifestyle because I think that that's what's holding us back sometimes is, is God's calling us to do great things, to be a witness, to do all these things. And we're saying, give me just a minute to prepare myself for what you're calling me to do. And that's why we're, we're talking about the season of, of consecration because it's not just about the intentions of what we have, but it's about the action, right? Because God's going to come, and he's going to have his effect on us, but we've got uh, to do these things first. Yeah. Amen. I, I think it's, it's very uh, critical for us also to understand that in fasting or in consecration, what we are doing, and, and actually I don't want to just tie this to fasting, um, but what consecration does is it's, it's the choice to put on the mind of Christ. There's a new nature that you received when you came into Christ. But we can choose to take that off or to put it on. We, now, you were regenerated through His Spirit, that you have the power to be an overcomer, but we have the choice whether or not we want to live this new life. And we see this in, the, in this passage in Colossians chapter 3. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it all. I have, um, I know we gave that to you, the media back there. But let's go to verse 10 of that if you can. I was going to read all the way 1 through 15. So if you have time sometime uh, this week, it would probably do you good. But it says here, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In consecration, the goal, or really what you are doing when you consecrate, because consecration is an action, you are choosing to put on your new nature. So when you're saying, I really need to consecrate, I really need some consecration in my life, it's saying, I really need to make a choice right now to put on my new nature. I really need to make this choice because nobody else is going to make me do it. The Spirit will nudge me that way, but my flesh will always be fighting against it. And it's a choice that we have to make because sometimes when we first get the Holy Ghost, we have a spirit of conviction immediately on certain things. And if we're not careful, the longer we go in life is we will start to, to go numb to that that, that pushing of the Holy Ghost, and we start to justify why things are okay, and, and this is all right, and, and they're not. And when we get in the mindset of, I'm always going to be in that state of mind of renewing and trying to be like Christ, then it's that, almost like a fresh anointing each time we make this decision. Yeah. 
Let's, can, can you go to verse 12? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay? You must do this. This is a choice. This is a, some, an, an action that you must do. Clothe yourself with this. This is putting on the clothing of your new nature. <coughs> then verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive one or forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This is this choice that you are making. Now, it can only happen through Christ. The only way to be an overcomer over your flesh and to live with kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and tenderhearted and to have mercy, the only way to do that is through Christ. Through your own, through your old nature, through your flesh, you're never really going to be able to sustain the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit are incompatible. They are, they are absolutely incompatible with one another. And, and we got we to go there. In Romans chapter 8, and I would encourage you, read Romans. It's, well, it's some of the most confusing uh, language, the way that it's, it's written, at least in King James. Uh, the way that some of this uh, in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, uh, how Paul writes it down. Uh, but... It is profound what he is trying to say here in Romans uh, about the law of sin and, and this incompatible incompatibility between our flesh and our spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't manage your flesh. You can't. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8 tell us, and, and it's not just because that tells us. We know this by our own, our own lived experience. Yeah. That the law of sin, which is, which is life lived out according to the flesh, it's a really powerful force. That sin is a very powerful force in our life. And just the, the flesh in us is a very powerful force. And he says, the law was given so that people may be, be good, so they may, could be made right. But the law, it... Even as perfect as it was, even as good as it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but even as, as good as it was, it was not able to overcome the law of sin and the pull, the strangle the, uh, of what sin has. But Jesus was able to. And if the law couldn't discipline the flesh into righteousness and obedience, then there's nothing 
that's going to ever achieve and accomplish that. And the only answer that we've got is to mortify the deeds of the flesh, to put your will on the altar and to let your new life be absolutely guided and ruled by the Spirit, which is the mind of Christ in us and the mind of God in us, the heartbeat of God in us. And so as long as the old passions and the desires uh, are still living in us, then we're going to do the things that are, that are of the flesh. We're going to make provision for the flesh. <coughs> I like the example that you had. It was talking about, you know, the law was punishment, and that was the goal, was you wanted to avoid the punishment in that. It, it doesn't work with human nature. I work in the jail. Guess what? There's a lot of guys serving time there, and the ones that are doing things are the ones that are transforming their, their mind. They're transforming their lifestyle. They're switching the way they see things. They're switching the way they, they think about things. It's not just about avoiding punishment, but it's about changing what you're, you're going after, changing your desires. So these two things, flesh and spirit, are in absolute conflict with one another. And I think this is really important for us to lay this foundation this morning about, about the flesh and the, and the spirit, living your life according to the flesh and living your life according to the spirit. And all of this ties into consecration because what consecration does is it gets us away from, the, from a life that is lived just according to the flesh. And it gets us into a spirit-filled life uh, lifestyle. So the mind of the flesh, is, it says, is death. Yeah. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. And it cannot submit to God's laws. And he says, uh, Paul, he continues on, he says, Those who are controlled by the flesh cannot please God. If you are controlled by your flesh, then you are not pleasing God. Basically, the idea of what Paul is saying is, if you're fleshly, then you're going to think fleshly. Yeah. If you're spiritual, then you're going to think spiritually. And the two of these, mind, these two mindsets do not have a merger point. There's not a middle point where you can say, well, uh, you know, some of my thoughts are really carnal, but some of my thoughts are really spiritual. These, these two things, a fleshly mindset and a spiritual mindset, are... Two things that are a dichotomy, they don't have a merger point. And the confusion comes in, in the compromise is so often we think, well, I'm trying, I'm doing good things. So then that excuses the stuff that I'm still struggling with. And we need to realize, yes, we, there might be things we still struggle with, but they both can't exist. So we always need to be striving to get rid of that, that mindset. It's, there's not a point where you can check off and say, well, I'm good enough to, to allow this, these things because I know how to control them. But if we're truly going to be consecrated, we have to shift our focus off, off those things completely and onto God. So the Bible, it says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That those that live according to the flesh, they will die. And the Bible continues on, it says that um, the, things that are, uh, the things that are in the mind, the mind of the flesh, it is death. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh, it's hostile to God. So with that being said, I think it's important for us to recognize that, that God's view of life, and this is really important, that God's view of life is heaven down. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So if we are going to understand what God wants to do here on earth, then we need to have the same mindset that God has, which is heaven down instead of earth up. We often think of, or we often have this earth up perspective where we are thinking about ourselves and, uh, and, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to be, um, trying to do as good as we can, trying to get better in this and that, uh, you know, trying of our own, of our own selves to cut, cut, cut things off. When instead what God is saying is, is I want, I want to, uh, for you, first of all, just to come into me, I want you to just to attach yourself to me. And so the only way to do that is to find, to set yourself apart from all the distractions of this world and to get a heavenly viewpoint, to get a heavenly perspective of what I want to do on earth. Stop focusing on all of the troubles. Stop focusing on all of these, these things that are going on. And let's, let's get a viewpoint that is from God's perspective where he's saying, I want to come and, and to set the captive free. Yes. I want to come and to have, and to have those who are broken to be healed. Yes. I want to come and to mend the brokenhearted. I, I, I want to come, and so, and so we of ourselves can get so caught up in, in just life. Yeah. And even a good Christian life, and still not be doing things from a heaven down perspective. Still not be doing things that is actually, that actually matter in the grand scope of things when it comes down to what God wants us to do. And so there's a recalibration that needs to take place in our life and, and a recalibration in order to get God's perspective of what am I supposed to be doing right now with my life. So, and that recalibration is, is, cons- is consecration. Go ahead. So kind of uh, going back to, so when do we know we need to consecrate? And that was a question that me and Pastor were talking about last night. We're like, so what, when do you know that that's something you need to do? And some of the warning signs. And uh, the, the example that came to my mind is uh, type 2 diabetes. And this is going to sound a little weird, but stick with me. So uh, if you've ever had blood work done like me, and that they always show you the ranges of where your glucose is, right? When you're pre-diabetic, then they get real serious and say, okay, here's the thing. You're, you're going down a path where you can do complete lifestyle changes right now. And you can change the way that things are going and you can stop this from progressing or you can continue doing what you want to do, eating what you want to eat, not exercising, doing whatever you want to do. And it's going to go into full-blown diabetes. And the problem is, is that once it goes into type 2 diabetes, it's near to impossible to get you out of that. So they do everything they can to say, you've got to make these changes now. And a lot of times what people will do is they'll ignore them and they'll, they'll well, I, I'll be fine. I'm, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. And then they cross over into that, that, that point where they're starting to struggle, and there's real physical complications that are going to come out of this. There's things that they have to do, and no matter how hard they try, it's near to impossible to get back to the point of not having this in you. If we're not careful, that's what God's trying to do, is, is he's giving us warning signs when we're struggling with things. There's times that, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with my thoughts. I'm struggling with all these things. And he's saying, now's the time to address it. It's time for a lifestyle change, because if you don't do it, you're going to go so far that it's going to be almost impossible for you to will it back on your own. And he's giving us these warning signs. And, and some of these warning signs that, that we found 
uh, it's clear markers of time to consecrate. To be honest, we got these out of, a, out of a class we took on addiction recovery. And part of that is because it, it was talking about, you know, avoiding a relapse. Here are the signs that you're, you're headed towards a relapse. And I told pastor, I was like, this is how I feel like we are with sin. Is we've been saved, we've been delivered, but we allow ourselves to relapse back into sin. And yeah, it might not be the same struggles we have before, but these are warning signs that God is giving us saying, hey, you're heading down a path where you're not living a life of, of consecration, of purity with me, but you're, you're steering off that separated life. And some of these examples, I think all of us can be like, it's hitting me home. If you're dealing with anger, uh, short-temperedness, isolation, you have trouble keeping your commitments, you're full of anxiety, you like to gossip, you don't know how to manage your time, you're worrying all the time, you're allowing fear to consume you, you're holding on to resentment, judging. These are all huge warning signs that God's saying, these are the, if you're dealing with these things, it's not that I don't love you and you're not, not too far gone, but you need to address them now and get rid of them. You need to, to shift your focus back on me to get to these things. Uh, a couple other things of mood swings, negative thoughts, critical of authority figures, obsessed with always being right, believing you're always right, creating conflict, becoming overly defensive, arrogance, depression. These are things that, if we're not careful, we will allow them to consume our lives. If you're on Facebook more than 10 minutes, you'll probably feel about three of these emotions and three of these things. That's the trigger that says it's time to get off. When you're running to just angry type in all caps, get off the computer, go find a time to pray. It's silly, but this is true. These are warning signs that God's giving us. He's saying, if these are things that you're dealing with, then it's time to shift your focus off of yourselves and what you're going through and get your eyes back on me. Because when you do that, there's going to be an effect. I'm going to show up in a mighty way, but you've got to get rid of these things first. I think these things are are critical markers uh, for us to realize in our own life because um, these are not the big, you know, oh, I I slipped up and... um, you know, I, I drank again, maybe it's, maybe you've been sober for some time, you know, for you, you know, that's, you know, a big, big marker for you. And, um, you know, this isn't the, well, I, I stepped out of my wife, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a big thing like that. That's saying, oh, now, now it's time for me to go and, and to make sure that I get myself right with God again. I'm going to just <laughs> one thought I'll throw in at the yeah. end, but no one walks away from God instantly. No one does that on their own. No one decides that wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm going to live a life of sin and I'm going to do this. What happens is they slowly allow all these things to come into their life. And little by little, they justify why it's okay. And when God's giving us the warning side saying, it's time to get closer to me again. It's not saying that we're not good because I know a ton of people out there that are great people that love God and they're amazing, but they're not living a fulfilled life because they're not doing what God called them to do. And it's because they're not, looking at these warning signs and saying, you know what, I need to consecrate. I need to get off my agenda and I need to get back on his. Yeah. So as, as we kind of clean up up here and transition our service, um, I just want to wrap this up because here's, here's the key. We as a church uh, have been very intentional about trying to uh, create a culture that is, is very welcoming and uh, that we are a community of believers, that we, we come together and we have... Uh, a lot of times where we just we try to just get together for fellowship, and I believe all of that is very important. But we also we also need to make sure that the spiritual things are 
just as important for us. And that we are not, we are not letting go of spiritual disciplines. We're not letting go of, of in ourselves drawing closer to God. And that's what consecration does. It's not to say that you are the most holy person or that you are, you know, the, you know, the best Christian because you're the one who consecrated. Consecration is you saying, there's some areas in my life that do not reflect what God really wants to be in my life. And I may not get them all figured out right now. But I've been dealing with anger for you know some time. And, and God, I've been trying to just figure this out myself. And how about right now I just set aside a time of consecration. And God, I'm really intentional for a day about hearing your voice. And I become really intentional, maybe maybe it's for a week, of saying, I'm going to shut off all the other distractions. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to wake up earlier in the morning than I normally do so that I can get into the Word of God. I'm, and, and all these things really, really should be part of our everyday life. But we all understand, we, we just, we live life and, and we don't always get everything perfect. So what consecration does is it's saying, I'm going to be really intentional for a period of time so that God can speak to me and so that I can allow some of these areas in me that do not match and reflect what He wants in me so that I do have my thoughts change and I do have my actions begin to change so that I reflect back to Him something that is glorious. That's what consecration is all about. To be consecrated is to set aside, set, set ourselves apart, to set apart some time uh, in, in our day, to set apart some time in our week. And, and it doesn't have to just be about the warning signs that we just said. It doesn't, it shouldn't have to always be the warning sign that causes you to, 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 to have a time of consecration. It's also just as beneficial to have a regular pattern of consecration in your life. To have a regular pattern of, of times in your life where you are setting this aside to be hyper-focused, to hear God's voice. Just to say, Lord, I'm consecrating myself right now. I'm being really intentional because I believe that you have greater things in store for me. God, I believe that you do want to use me in some form or some fashion. God, I believe that I'm worth something and that I'm going to consecrate myself. And the only way, as I said, Jesus is the one who consecrated us wholly. And But on our action, what we do is we come into Christ. And we put on the mind of Christ. And that action of putting on the mind of Christ is consecrating us to allow God to transform us and to change us. So why don't we stand all around this place here today. I would hope that